This is Gesher, the program that's bridging the gap between the Jewish and evangelical Christian communities with conversations that matter. I'm your host, Ty Perry, ministry representative with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry coming to you from sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Welcome. There are times in our lives when we are forced to make crucial decisions, decisions that impact the rest of our lives. But sometimes we're required to make decisions that will impact the lives of others. In January of 1945, U.S. Army Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds, a POW being held by the Nazis in Germany, was forced to make such a decision. Nearly eight decades later, his son, Pastor Chris Edmonds, is here to talk with me about that decision point in his father's life. Pastor, welcome to Gesher. Well, thank you, Ty. It's great to be with you. It's so uh, grateful that you want to share Dad's story, which I think is a powerful story for all of us today. Well, it's a remarkable one, and uh, I first heard your father's story, or at least uh, a, a snippet of it, at APAC, uh, the American-Israel Public Affairs Committee Conference in D.C. back in 2015, and uh, it just stuck with me all these years. I've, I've often thought of him, um, and you know, there's a passage in Matthew, in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, where uh, Jesus says, and it's a very famous passage, uh, what you do to the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. And in context, he's talking about his Jewish brethren. And so whenever I read that, uh, an image of your dad comes to mind um, because of what he did. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, most of my listeners have, have probably never heard the name Roddy Edmonds, but they should because your your father is an American hero uh, and, a, and a hero, especially to the Jewish people. Um because of his actions back in 45. In fact, in, in 2015, Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, recognized your father as righteous among the nations. Uh, that's a remarkable designation and, and distinction. Um, and at the awards ceremony, I was doing a little research, at the awards ceremony in D.C. the following year, President Barack Obama spoke of your father's courage in the face of evil. So, Pastor, I'm going to ask you to tell us what happened. What what was this decision point in your father's life that not only changed uh, probably his life, but certainly the lives of many others? Well, thank you, Ty. And it is a great honor to have Dad honored as righteous among the nations. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later, I'm sure. But, you know, we need to remind ourselves that this happened during the Holocaust. Um, and uh, Elie Wiesel said, a, ble a blessed member, he said, for the dead and the living, we must bear witness. And so dad's story bears witness uh, to the six million uh, Jewish brothers and sisters who, who were brutally murdered in, during the Holocaust. And uh, so I, I want to, uh, uh, for us all to remember those who perished during that, that horrible time. I also want us to remember the, the soldiers, the liberators who came through um, from the Allied forces, and particularly from the United States, to um, to save people, and so Dad was one of those. Um, he wasn't the typical liberator who came marching in with Patton's army and and busted the gates down, uh, but he was uh, a liberator in his own way within the the POW camp that he was in charge of, and I rejoice that he was a light uh, in in the horrible darkness. Um, and so uh, I thank God for him and for all who served and for all who are serving today in our military. Uh, but to tell his story, uh, basically, he's he's one of those lights that shined during the Holocaust. And uh, dad, um, 
I don't think he planned on being a hero. It's just he lived uh, by faith. And the, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And also that the, the, um, the righteous are bold as a lion. And so dad was, he was righteous uh, in, in his walk before the army, during the army, and after the army. Um, particularly when I was born, um, he, he lived a faithful life for Christ. And so uh, I believe his ordinary life uh, was lived well. And I believe an ordinary life lived well is extraordinary, even heroic. Uh, so, so your life, my life, and every life out there, regardless of what the, the career pursuit is or what, what field they're, they're following, is, is to just simply uh, do what's right for others and, and be good to others. And I, that's heroic, especially in today's uh, day and time. But my story really begins with dad's old diary. It was just a weathered, fragile book. And, and the diary uh, was his while he was fighting uh, on a continent near the edge of collapse. And uh, so he passed away years earlier before uh, I discovered his story. Um, and since then, his diary just remained tucked away with other mementos from his time during World War II. But Gratefully, like so many others, Dad served with distinction. And um, uh, Master Sergeant Roddy Edmonds, he was in the 106th Infantry, the 422nd um, Regiment. And he was captured during the Battle of the Bulge, like thousands were. After, after three days of, of brutal fighting and, and delaying the, the Nazis from their, their timetables, the 106 stood strong in their way, but they were eventually overrun and captured. And he spent 100 harsh days in two German prisoner of war camps. And to us as a family, that was the story we knew. I mean, it was pretty, pretty clear, pretty clean. Uh, but that was it. And it was service he never talked about. He, he, he would never. I would ask him from time to time, Dad, tell me what happened to you over there. And he'd say, son, I don't want to talk about it. And uh, he didn't. Uh and so years later, after he passed away in 1985, uh, my daughter was doing a, a project at, at her college. It was a family history project. And we ended up pulling out his diaries and digging into them. And I helped her with the project. But that lit a fire. I think God uh, really inspired my heart through the Holy Spirit and just said, you need to you need to follow this. He started dropping providential breadcrumbs all along the way uh, and, and, and just kind of guided me through um, discovering this incredible story. But in dad's, in dad's diary, he wrote this. A lot of things I'm not going to talk about because they're not exactly nice to talk about. Uh, I know God was with us and he answered our prayers. And then he added this. I learned men even better than before. Some were good, some were bad, some were better, some were worse. And I think he saw the best and the worst of mankind uh, has to offer. Uh, but that's those words and others like that inspired me on this journey, uh, I think, with with God's uh, anointing. And uh, so, Dad, I'm just going to skip right on up to 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 the point where he was in charge. Dad was the highest ranking American soldier um, in Stalag 9A. It was a POW camp for noncommissioned officers. And uh, it was in Ziegenhang, Germany. It was near the end of the war, late January 1945, and he had already spent 40 days in another POW camp at this point, along with his men. But even in those POW camps, the Germans, the Nazis, had strict anti-Jew policies, and they would segregate the Jewish uh, American POWs from the non-Jews and send them 
to their certain death in murderous concentration camps. I don't think a lot of people know that or understand that. As a matter of fact, the army told the Jewish Americans if they were ever captured to destroy their dog tags, which identified their religion and never mentioned their Jewish identity because they knew it was very dangerous. So late on the evening of January 26, German officers sent orders to my father and announced over the, the American loudspeakers in the American quadrant uh, that they wanted only the Jews to report outside for the next morning's roll call. Just the Jews, no one else. All who disobeyed, they were very clear about this, would be shot. And without hesitation, Dad turned to his men in his barracks. There were about 250 GIs in there. Uh, and that was just one of five barracks. He turned to his men in his barracks. He says, we're not doing that. Tomorrow morning, we all fall out. And he sent orders to the other barracks. And uh, that's what they did. It was bitterly cold that morning, January 27, 1945. And as the Nazi commander approached, he couldn't believe his eyes. He, he was stunned. All the Americans, nearly 1,300 non-commissioned soldiers were standing together in sharp formation. Now, some of those men had to be helped out there. They were so weak and, and, and in such bad shape. But enraged, the major, Major Zygmunt, rushed over to my father and he gets up in his face. He screamed, they can't all be Jews. To which my father declared, we are all Jews here. Wow. <laughs> what a statement. Uh, well, the, to say the least, the major is shocked. I mean, no one has ever disobeyed his or who. Who's this? I can just imagine what's going through. Who's this little American sergeant? You know, dad stood about five, five. Now he was stout. He was wide and stout and strong, but he wasn't very tall. And so he probably thought this, this, this guy's crazy. He's a lunatic. He said it with his bold commanding voice. Uh, he said under the articles of the Geneva convention, all that's required of prisoners of war is name, rank, and serial. Name. Don't quote regulations to me, screamed the major. I want only the Jews, just the Jews. Were my orders not clear? I want the Jews. Uh, and standing on dad's left was, was uh, Sergeant Lester Tannenbaum. And he was a 19-year-old kid from the Bronx of New York. And dad had trained him since basic. He was one of dad's best soldiers. On dad's right was Sergeant Paul Stern. He was a combat medic from the 28th Division. And he also grew up in the boroughs of New York. And Paul was a number one in dad's book although he just met him uh, in, in a short time. And so dad, ensuring eye contact with the Nazi major, uh, leaned in and said very sternly, major, we'll give you name, rank, serial number. That's all. Well, the major turned blood red, according to Lester, and he lunged forward. He pressed his pistol hard into my dad's forehead and he screamed at him, Sergeant, one last chance. You will order the Jews to step forward or I will shoot you right now. Well, uh, you know, by this point, Dad and his men had faced, you know, the untold horrors of battle. Uh, 89,000 Americans were killed, captured, and wounded. They'd, they'd been marched for days on end uh, in a death march. If you didn't march, you didn't last. And, and that was without food, without water. They'd uh, been put on uh, boxcars, just like uh, this, the same kind of boxcars that, uh, the Jewish men and women were, were being taken to, to their death. And they were standing room only, no, no room to sit or, or even move around in the boxcar. And they'd been bombed. They, they, uh, the British forces didn't know that those were POWs in the train yard, in the Lindbergh train yard. They thought they were blowing up armament, which they were. But beside that armament was 
uh, American soldiers locked up in, in these bus cars. And so several hundred men, uh, Americans died there, including dad's chaplain. Um, they had been in 40 days of starvation at this point, intentional, willful starvation. They were, they had less than 500 calories a day. Most of the men were losing on average a pound a day. And, uh, men who had come in and they you know, maybe, uh, I know Skip Friedman was, was a tight end. I mean, was a defensive end college recruit defensive end before he went into the army. He was like, you know, 220 pounds. And he went, he left there at 120 pounds. Um, so they were forever hungry, forever cold. Uh, Dad had been shot, he'd been interrogated, he'd been beaten, he'd been uh, bitten by dogs. Um, he was stripped of his dignity, hit by you know rifle butts, and um, you know they had they had uh, frostbite and uh, just I mean it was it was horrible what they were going through. Uh, and just two days earlier, when they were first marched into this camp, he and his men had to watch the savage execution of a young Russian soldier. Um, and they were threatened that the same would happen to them if they disobeyed Nazi orders. Uh, and maybe that's why dad wrote in his diary, no one can realize the horrors an infantry soldier goes through. You get scared. And I mean scared. So dad stood there, even in fear and in fright, along with his men who were scared just as well. But they stood brave. They stood heroic and they stood strong and together. And, you know, that, that says a lot for us today is, you know, we get scared about life and we get fearful in our walk with Christ, even, and, and, and in, in serving others. We, 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 we sometimes, you know, want to back up and say, well, maybe I don't need to do this. Uh, but we need to stand in courage. We need to stand together and we need to stand for one another. And so Lester told me, he said, your father never wavered. He said it was amazing. Um, so, you know, I know dad was a man of scripture. He actually had a Bible. Uh, according to records that I've discovered in other POW uh, diaries, that dad read that Bible daily and he shared that Bible with other men in the camp. They all used it for the various different, the Jewish men used it, uh, the, the Protestant men used it, uh, all for their, their services. And uh, it, was, it was amazing. But dad, one of dad's favorite scriptures is, is the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? <laughs> So dad spoke, he, even with the gun to his head, Lester said he never wavered and he spoke even after the command from the major. He said, major, you can shoot me, but you'll have to kill all of us because we know who you are. And you'll stand for war crimes when we win this war and you will pay. What a statement. Dad, dad just shared the truth with him, you know, and, and we all know that the uh, the truth will set us free. <laughs> so, sure will. Uh, he shared he shared the gospel truth with that with that Nazi major, and and Relester said immediately as soon as Dad finished speaking, the Nazi turned white. His arm holding the gun began to tremble as the truth and the reality of what Dad said sank into his his spirit. His gun was still pressed to Dad's head, and, and his finger was still on the trigger. And Lester said, "Time froze." like the ground beneath our feet said it seemed like an eternity passed and and then suddenly without warning the nazi pulled his gun to his side stuck it in his holster and retreated and eventually left the camp because he wasn't the commandant he actually was the major in charge of all nazi pow camps 
And uh, he had ordered the Jews in other camps, uh, just like he had done in this camp. But he left there with the truth, and he, he chose right, too. You know, we all make choices. He wanted the Jews, but he chose not to take them when he could have. He could have shot Dad, and I could, you could not be talking to me. I wouldn't be here. So I count my life as a miracle. I count Dad's life as a miracle. But when you really think about it, I count all of us should count life as a miracle. Uh, every, every day is a gift from God. Every breath we breathe is a gift from God. So, uh, but the amazing thing is that major never came back to ask for the Jewish Americans again. And Lester, I said, so Lester, what'd you guys do? He said, we went back to the barracks and really cheered your father. <laughs> I'm sure. I said, I guess you did. <laughs> he said, you know, from that point on, he said two things. One, he said, I determined, he said, that, that, that was life-changing for me. He said, I determined to live my life like your dad lives his life, that to always do what's right for others, regardless of the risk, regardless of the circumstances. He said, so uh, he said, I've been a New York City attorney for all these years. He said, I'm proud to say that I've, I've honored that. He said, but, you know, as a, as a New York attorney, it's not always easy to do. <laughs> I said, yes. He said, he said, the second thing is. We knew we had a leader. What your dad did made us all brave, gave us all hope. And so from then on, whatever he said to do, we did. And that's just one part of dad's story. There's other uh, amazing things of his leadership that really uh, rallied the men, helped them with the hope that they needed to survive that ordeal. And eventually uh, they self-liberated themselves, and I, you know, I won't. I'll save that for the book. You know, if, if people want to get the book, I'll save that for the book. It's a powerful story. Lester basically said, "Yeah," he said, "it's one of the greatest escapes in World War II." He said, "Unknown, relatively unknown escapes. One of the greatest escapes in, in World War II." He said, "But we never left the camp. We booted the Nazis out." So you'll you'll have to read that. But I I, I look forward to reading it. Well, Pastor, thank you for sharing that. You know, your dad had this this resolve, um, and certainly being a, a believer. Um, but most most of us would have that crisis, and not everyone would choose to do the right thing in the face of a Nazi, especially one with a gun up against his head. To what do you attribute that resolve? Well, I, I think it's uh, really simple for if dad were here, he'd say, what's the big deal? You know, I, I was just doing my job, you know, and he would start with God. He, you know, I, uh, I honored God. I uh, protected my men. I uh, confronted the enemy. And and I just I just honored my oath to, to America and to the army. And I would, you know, it was my job. I was just doing my job. And if it required for me to die, so be it. That that's what he would say. And and then if you got him to, to talk about his faith, he would say he well, I can't say exactly what he'd say because uh hopefully I'll hear about that when I get to heaven. But uh I really know his heart, and I think his heart would say, you know, the bottom line is I believe that there is a God and God is good and he loves us. And uh, God's love is free. So our one essential responsibility, the Old Testament says we are our brothers and sisters keepers. 
And uh, the Old Testament says we are to, to, to love one another, take care of one another. And, and said so Jesus himself said, love one another, even your enemies. And he would say, it's pretty simple. You know, we're put on this planet uh, to, to bring glory to God and to love others. And that's about it. And uh, that's that's really true. And <clears throat> I've, I've looked at it, too, as, you know, dad received uh, Jesus Christ as a as a middle school kid. Um, he was he was in junior high school and it was at Vestal United Methodist Church a little church just down the street from where dad grew up. <clears throat> and that church is still here. It's still here in Knoxville. And um, his life, what he described in his Bible was he received believers peace. He was, he received peace with God. And he also wrote about surrendering to God, which is a, a concept that, that we need to um, in our modern day need, need to reaffirm. When, when you when you come to God, it's bowing the knee uh, and beginning really getting prostrate before God and surrendering everything and just saying, God, you are my God. And that's what Dad did. And so he he died to himself that day and came alive to God through Christ. Uh, and so he might say, and which I've said, you know, that old Nazi major didn't know what he was dealing with. You you can't kill a dead man. <laughs> he was already dead. <laughs> You know, he'd already died and died to himself and come alive to God. He's going to be with God forever. And so doing the right thing was just something that you did. It wasn't a big deal. Um, and so dad, dad wanted to protect uh, his, his God and the goodness of God. He also wanted to protect humanity, regardless of who they were. But he, he cared for his Jewish brothers and sisters. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, and so dad, dad felt uh, grateful for being adopted into the family of God. You know, we as Christians, we don't have a, uh, a relationship with God unless the Jewish people have already had the relationship with God. You know, everything we, we believe comes uh, from the Jewish people and, and their faith. And so uh, we're grateful I'm grateful for my brothers and sisters who are Jewish. Um, I'm grateful to be a part of their family. And it's pretty amazing that dad's uh, uh, bravery uh, almost 80 years ago has opened up the doors for me to, to be adopted into a lot of Jewish families and a lot of Jewish congregations. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not every day that a Southern Baptist preacher goes and speaks in synagogues all over the world. <laughs> no, that's not very typical, is it? <laughs> but I, but but it's wonderful. I, I love worshiping with my Jewish brothers and sisters, and I love their their warmth and and they open their arms to me, and I open their my arms to them, and and it's uh, it's pretty incredible uh, the relationships that we have. Well, tell me too, and I don't want to take away from the book itself. I do encourage listeners to uh, to get the book, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But a couple of questions. First of all, do we know how many of the men in his group were Jewish? I mean, how many lives did he save? Well, we're still trying to figure that exactly, but it, according to Lester's count, it was uh, over two hundred, and and uh, so in a in a group there were twelve hundred and ninety. 
1,292 men in the camp uh, originally. Um, a few of the men, I think two to three of the men died during the, the ordeal. Um, but uh, I've, I've been asked, you know, why was there such a large number of Jewish men, you know, a part of that camp? And in, in researching for the book, you know, that, was, that question was on my heart. So we looked for those answers. And the best answer I have is that uh, the Army had a uh, program called the uh, ASTP program. And uh, it was advanced training uh, for uh, future officers. And so they, what they did, they identified the, the best and the brightest um, of their recruits and sent them to college here in the States. Um, and that was true up until early 1944 um, after D-Day happened. Um, actually, it happened after, yeah, after D-Day happened. They, uh, they lost so many men. They needed a big influx of, uh, of, of troops. And so they took the best and the brightest, which many of them were Jewish, uh, from these college campuses and slugged them into the infantry and they became grunts in the infantry. Well, you had, you had officers who were infantrymen now. I mean, basically these were unproven officers, but these, these were very intelligent, sharp, brave guys. And, uh, so they slugged a bunch of those. Well, they, they just, they disbanded the ASTP program and moved all of those men into the infantry. So dad ended up getting, um, hundreds more recruits in his 106th infantry that he helped train. And um, that's why there was such a, a big number percentage wise of Jewish men in the infantry at that time. And I, and I, I really believe it's, it's why they, uh, when Hitler came through the Ardennes and, and the battle of the bulge took place, I really believe it was the, uh, the preponderance of, of those uh, units now had not just their main officers in charge, but they had guys as infantrymen who were officer material, who were very bright and brave and, and they helped slow down the Nazi arsenal to the point that they didn't, um, they didn't reach their objectives. As a matter of fact, General Montoffel of, uh, of the German forces, who was in charge of that said it was the, it was the regular common soldier that stopped them in their tracks um, that kept them from advancing and making their, their timetable and, and which ultimately led to their defeat. Pastor, your dad, uh, as I mentioned, had, has been honored one of the highest honors possible uh, in February, 2015. Uh, he was honored at Yad Vashem uh, named as righteous among the nations, which is uh, the highest honor in Israel for non-Jews who risked their lives for uh, the Jewish people during the Holocaust. Just, just a remarkable honor. And I was, as I was doing some research on this, I, I found a comment or a, a passage that President Obama said at the ceremony in, in D.C. the following January. And he said, Faced with the choice of giving up his fellow soldiers or saving his own life, Roddy looked evil in the eye and dared a Nazi to shoot. His moral compass never wavered. 
he was true to his faith and he saved some 200 Jewish American soldiers as a consequence. It's an instructive lesson, by the way, for those of us Christians. I cannot imagine a greater expression of Christianity than to say, I too am a Jew. You know, what a remarkable statement uh, from a man, frankly, I, I don't agree with very often, right. but you cannot you cannot deny that uh, what your dad did was an act uh, not just of of military heroism, but really a, a, a mark of his faith, as you've you've indicated. And uh, as I as I view it, your dad is not only a hero to the Jewish people and to Americans, but uh, a hero of the faith as well. Your your dad, I, I saw, was honored um, in Knoxville um, in 2020 with a plaque uh, donated by the Jewish American Society for Historic Preservation. And so you live with your father's legacy every day. Um, how has that impacted you personally uh, as, a, as a man, as a pastor, knowing the kind of man your father was? Well, it's been, it's been pretty incredible, the doors that, that the Lord has opened and, and the blessings of, of being able to share that story. You know, Dad was always my hero before any of this. discovered uh because he was just a he was a good dad he was a good husband he, he provided for us um he was a good citizen good role model uh, you know he's my baseball coach you know i mean it was just you know he's guys that would come into the room he was the light in the room and uh he would warm your heart uh he was witty uh he would cut up with you uh just just a a, a good old solid guy and and just ordinary, ordinary as they come, but yet his faith was the fabric of his soul. And um, he not only talked it, he walked it. Uh, and so I'm very proud of him uh, re regarding of, you know, his story. It's pretty amazing how his story opens doors um, and, and how people resonate with his story. Uh, I, I get, some contact every day from someone that I've never met before that's just heard his story and they're tracking me down. You know, I have to say that all that's been accomplished, the Lord has done. I've, I've not had anything to do with it. It's just that his story is so powerful. Uh, people want to share it and they want to, they want to help share it. Just like the, uh, the Jewish folks who put up, help put up the marker in downtown Knoxville. Um, you know, that was a, a collaboration between uh, the, the Jewish Foundation for the Preservation of, of you know, Jewish history and then uh, our local Knoxville Jewish leaders and then uh, myself and our family and then the, the city of Knoxville and the county. And I mean, it was it's just it was a community cohesion. And, and so we're grateful for that. And actually, the, the very spot that we were able to put it on are, is where his feet trod many times. You know, he walked those uh, sidewalks many, many times. Um, and so that was very meaningful. Um, then the other day I got a, a, a call and interest on uh, maybe putting a statue in, in our state capitol. And, um, you know, uh, you just don't. I, I could go out and try to raise money for that. But I mean, that'd be hard. But people come to me and say, we, we've got the funds. We want to do something significant and so you know i have a meeting uh as a matter of fact tomorrow in the state capitol about potentially that happening and 
Medal of Honor. We've, we've uh, pursued um, really what started this journey is when I met Lester for the first time in 2013 in New York. He asked me, he said, you know, uh, he said, I think your father's worthy of a Medal of Honor. What do you think? I said, oh, absolutely. He said, well, do you know your congressman? I said, yeah, I, I know know my congressman. He said, well, won't you go back and share the story and see what will happen? Well, that was 2013. So 2014, 2015, we were really hot and heavy trying to pursue that. And then all the things that have happened since then have really a result of that uh, effort because the the evidence and the and the uh, testimonies we gathered, Yad Vashem used. Uh, they 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 spent a year of studying it, uh, but that hasn't happened yet. But we have a champion now, and I, I won't say any more about that. But we have a champion who's pursuing that in Congress, um, uh, and uh, pretty high level, and they they know. The, the folks that are, you know, in charge of, of making those decisions. So we're hoping that that can happen. He's also been uh, in both the House and the Senate. Uh, this is the third go around on this. So I hope it will happen this this session of Congress. But he's been recommended for a gold medal, uh, congressional gold medal as well. I, I think our nation would do well to honor him and celebrate him and uh, extend that celebration to to all of all Americans and let us all, you know, we need something to rejoice, we sure <laughs> rejoice do. over in America. Yes. You know, I, I wish we would rejoice over, over God and, and his love for us through Christ. But you know, that's, that's not happening yet. I'm praying for revival and, and praying for transformation, but uh, we need some good things to rejoice over. And I think that would be a great way to celebrate. Certainly would and certainly would be well-deserved. Uh, well, Pastor, I just wanted to, to close with this. You you penned a book, uh, No Surrender, A Father, A Son, and an Extraordinary Act of Heroism that continues to live on today. Um, why did you write that book? Well, the the book really wrote me, to be honest with you. It, 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 it wrote itself. Um, never intended to write a book. If you ask my uh, high school English teacher, Miss Betsy Maspin, uh, if you told her, said, hey, uh, Chris Edmonds, uh, have you read Chris Edmonds' book? Well, she'd be thrilled after you picked her up off the floor. Uh, I, I just wasn't the guy to write the book, but um, I've just learned so much. You know, 90% of the book, uh, if you get a chance to read it, I encourage it. it it's a fabulous uh, read. It's, it, it's one you don't want to put down, and we wrote it that way intentionally. It's Yeah, it's nonfiction, and it's got a lot of history in it, but it's not a history book. And it's got something for everybody from 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 uh, young people. You know, uh, we have a young readers edition as well from eight to 14 year olds. But young people all the way to senior adults, there's a there's there's romance and, and there, you know, for the ladies. And, and of course, there's there's battle and gore for the guys and uh, intrigue. But uh, there's bravery for all of us. So I, it, it it just wrote. I kept finding pieces of the puzzle and it just kept getting larger and larger and larger and larger. And finally, my brother-in-law, I think it was, he goes, when are you, you going to write a book? He said, you got so much. He said, not only your dad's story, but your, your story of, of investigation and mystery and discovery. And you know, those, all those aha moments you've had along the way. And I said, well, I really, I probably need to do that. And, um, Again, according to God's graces, uh, people heard the story who were in the book writing business, started knocking on my door and saying, hey, when are you going to write that book? And 
so I, it wasn't the normal process. I, you know, I didn't have to go, you know, turn in 30 different proposals and finally get one to hit. It was like, and I, it's been a joy. I, I really have enjoyed writing. I'd love to, to write some more. Um, and then I, part of my prayer, um, a lot of these things that have happened, I've, I've had on a prayer list. I just check them off. You know, I wanted to meet President Obama. I mean, that was two years. That was two years before I ever met him. He's on my prayer list. Um, write a book, uh, you know, and, and do it. Follow my dad's footsteps, uh, you know, from Belgium to Germany, and you know, while he was there in the battlefield. And then I get a call in 2016 from. Stanley Stahl, the director of, of the Jewish Foundation for the Righteous, and she says, uh, Mr. Edmonds, would, would you be willing to go with us and a film crew and follow your father's footsteps? And we want to make a documentary about your dad. I said, thank Yes, absolutely. I said, you're an answer to prayer. I said, where have you been? I've been praying for you for two years. <laughs> so, uh, and that documentary, I hope you'll promote that too. It's called um, Following the Footsteps of My Father. You can just type that in, go to Google it. It's on Vimeo. And uh, that's the short version. We've got a that's 14 minutes. And then there's a 39 minute version that's not to release to the public yet. But uh, both won uh, fabulous awards. Matter of fact, the 39 minute won an honorable mention at the Academy Awards. So we're, we're very pleased and, and blessed. But um, so so all I can say is it's it's turned my my little apple cart upside down and and. Uh, but I'm grateful for it. You know, uh, it's been hard to juggle being a pastor and, um, you know, keep up with, with, with extending dad's legacy and traveling all over the place. Uh, but now, you know, now I've retired from, from the church ministry and, and I'm dedicating full time to this and I'm just excited. And, uh, thank you, uh, and the friends of Israel for, uh, for sharing uh, that story and, and, and not only that, for what you do, what your mission, it's an incredible mission. I'm so grateful for what you guys do. Well, thank you, pastor and listeners. If you're interested in uh, getting a copy of this book, I certainly encourage you to, I will be, uh, you can find the book on Amazon or you can visit uh, no surrender Well, pastor, uh, as I said, your father's a hero, not only of the American people, not only of the Jewish people, but of the faith as well. And I want to thank you for sharing his story today with us. Uh, it's certainly uh, not only an encouragement, but really an exhortation to live our lives the way your father did. So thank you for sharing with us. Well, thank you. Just wake up in the morning and say, you know, uh, me last, others first, and that'll take care of everything. Thank you, Ty. It's been an honor to be with you. You've been listening to Gesher. I'm your host, Ty Perry. For more information about me, visit ty-perry.com. For more information about the Friends of Israel, visit foi.org. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform to ensure you receive future episodes automatically. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.